moments where you try to make me sad right before we get record. <laughs> Those moments. I, I felt like it had something to do with Those the show. Those moments where we talk about death. Well, it's Ramdas, so it's not sad. It's all good. <laughs> he just stepped into his new self. You didn't You didn't do your chink-a-chink. My chink-a-chink. Yeah, you quietly popped it, oh, and then you didn't well, then chink- drop it. There we go. Pop you gotta, it. You gotta pop, it. lock it, and drop it. <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes for Made, and we're here yet again for Kristen's, I believe, first sober, two, 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 star, 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 two, 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 stay, 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 You might be my first sober two star. <laughs> this I is am not, but this is my first beer of the night, so it's not going to fall to pieces. I'm drinking by Antioxidant Infusion, Ooh. which tastes entirely too tart for my liking. <laughs> I wouldn't think flavored water would be so aggressively tart. Kristen's coming to the world with the... Poignant topics of our time. Yep. And this might be the last time we record before the Third World War. So <laughs> the next podcast might be a little strange. Uh, you guys will get it a week from In now. So I guess you'll know if it all ended or not. But, <laughs> but so cheery. I, I just got off work. You just got off work. I don't know why we do this to ourselves. Why? There's Jack. Jack slurps in the background. Um. But yeah, so welcome to the Two Star Tuesdays. If you're just now joining us because we've had like a recent influx in numbers, I thought, you know, maybe we kind of clear the air. We try to do this once a week. It's been a bit more hit or miss since we got up to Montana because life's been fucking insane. Um, But basically, we're going to try to pull the good, the bad, the ugly, and the lessons that we can learn out of a movie that we have all agreed is not good. Today, I disagree, though. I like this one. So it's going to be a lot more positive. (laughs) That's Uh, why we started on a note about death. No note about death. Um, Today we're going to talk about 2009's The Invention of Lying, which is timely um, considering what Ricky Gervais just did. (laughs) It's going to be old hat by the time this drops, but he, you know, had a lot of fun up there and said a lot of fun. (laughs) Epstein didn't kill himself. He was your friend, not mine. (laughs) Fucking went hard in the paint. So, you want to talk about the ratings? Yeah. Um, This got a 6.4 on IMDb, which is normally, you know, it's not normally that high. Normally it's a (laughs) 2.3. If you're new to the Two Star Tuesday, we usually go by the Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes score is a 56% on critics and a 39% on audience. It was produced by Radar Pictures and Universal Pictures, as Jack's attempts to kill a pebble of his own food. (laughs) Um, and it came in with a budget of $18.5 million and worldwide grossed at 32.4. Yeah. So, uh, not bad. Made out I mean, well. Not a insane success, but I mean, they I'm, did pretty all right. I'm honestly surprised that they got all of those people for 18.5. Yeah. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of famous people in this yeah, movie. A lot going on I here. didn't even write them all down because there were so many of a them. A shitload of extras. Just, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people, <laughs> famous, not famous, all scattered throughout this fucking thing. Um, it was written and directed as a team project, so it, it is technically writer-director, same credits, but it's two of them this time, so it's kind of an addendum to our normal rule, and that is Ricky Gervais and Matthew Robinson, uh, Matthew Robinson of Little Shop of Horrors fame. He wrote oh, nice. that, too. So Ricky Gervais also directed it? Yeah, they both wrote and directed hmm. it together. That's neat. So it was a dual project. Normally, when you see writer and director, as we've learned on on our two stars, it's not a good sign. No. Yeah, there's not you a lot have of... have somebody tell you when your shit sucks. Yeah, there's not a lot of creative back and forth. <laughs> this is the way I want it to be. I wrote it this way. I will shoot it this way. <laughs> there's no interpretation, you know. There's no learning. Jax, please... That might be going on the whole episode. He has a full bowl of food. <laughs> and like... he's bringing it from across the apartment to the table. <laughs> yeah, so. so he can eat right next to the We mic. are more or less fucked. Um... <laughs> Characters or plot first? What do you think? Uh, I guess plot first because all of the characters are super famous. Okay. Um, so the premise of the movie is that all of the characters in this film exist in a world where lying has never exactly. existed. There's not even a word for it. They don't understand the concept of it. Like everybody always just tells the truth and for whatever reason also tells what is very much on their mind. Yeah. They don't keep the truth inside. Um, and 
Ricky Gervais's character gets into kind of a tight spot and for the first time ever something in his brain flips and mm-hmm. he tells the very first lie in the whole wide world. Yeah. And he's super amazed by it, doesn't have a word for it, doesn't understand what happened, but he's just like, I get the shit I want when yeah. I do this thing. Just runs around and keeps saying, have you ever said a thing that wasn't? Yeah, <laughs> so he spends the whole rest of the movie basically pushing the boundaries of how far can he take this lie until he convinces the whole world of the great big con. The great big con. <laughs> the man in the sky. Characters? Um, so Ricky Gervais plays Mark. He's our our main character here, the guy who cannot lie. You you may know Ricky Gervais from, from the the UK uh, inception of The Office, which was his brainchild, and uh, Steve Carell did it better. Famous comedian. Uh, famous comedian. Um, he did one of my favorite documentary series, An Idiot Abroad, which I still think is it, it doesn't get the credit that it deserves. It's fucking brilliant. Um, and then you've got Anna. She's played by Jennifer Garner. You're more familiar with her. Yeah, I think the most, anyone in my age bracket anyway, the most iconic role for me that she did was definitely 13 going on 30. That's one on my um, list. But she did that TV show Alias. That's the only other one I have. <laughs> <laughs> she was also um, Electra in um, Daredevil. Huh. Uh She's done a lot of stuff, but uh, for me, 13 going on 30 is definitely Like the her Daredevil most TV show? No, the movie. Oh, okay. The, the one that kind of tanked. And she also had yeah. her own Electra movie. I was like, I was a massive fan of the Daredevil show on Netflix. No, she did the movie and it, it kind of tanked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that tends to happen with Electra. Like, every time they try that character, it seems to just die. Well, I think, thinking, yeah, no, I think the right. problem with the Daredevil slash Electra movie was that it was a little too comic booky, and the TV mm-hmm. series made it a little more gritty in real life. Yeah, and a lot more of that Batman yeah, and type. Electra and Daredevil both come off kind of like Mortal Kombat-ish to me when you yeah. try to do the comic <laughs> version, and it's just silly. Like, I can't not... see, but I'm going to kick everybody's ass. Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Frank is played by another person that you may know named Jonah Hill of Wolf of Wall Street fame and 21 Jump Street. He plays the depressed super guy. Super bad. Super bad. That was his breakout role, I think. Yeah. Um, I forgot that he was in that. Not mm-hmm. going to lie to you. <laughs> uh, Jonah Hill, he plays my favorite character in this entire film, but we'll get into him later. Um, then you've got Greg, who is played by a... Controversial character. Can we say likes to pull his pud? Like, does... <laughs> Wrong place, wrong time. That place was the Me Too movement. Louis C.K., who is a legendary stand-up comedian. I stand by that man. I don't think what he did was that bad. He asked permission. Um, But he also had a hilarious TV show named Louis, which is like a little sitcom type deal. And it's fucking hilarious, too. So, For the record, Brett and I disagree on that one. He asked permission. We disagree on that We're one. We're not getting in a conversation about Louis C.K. <laughs> then you got Anthony. He's played by Jeffrey Tambor of Arrested Development fame. Um, you got Martha. That's Mark's mom. That is Fanulia Flanagan. Am I saying that right? Oh, I'm not entirely sure, honestly. Um, I looked through her entire page, and I'm not familiar with her uh, outside of one film. And that film is a Mark Wahlberg film called Four Brothers. She played the mother of the four brothers in Four Brothers. I'd have to look through her IMDb. I couldn't place how I knew her, but I definitely yeah. knew her. In and... Four Brothers, she's the mom who gets killed by the gang, and that's why the four brothers lose their shit. And... Spoiler alert. Well, I mean, it happens <laughs> in the first ten minutes. It happens in the trailer. <laughs> It's got one of the coolest shootouts of all time. Go watch Four Brothers. Um, then you got Brad, who's played by the legendary Rob Lowe, who you might know from St. Elmo's Fire or The Outsiders, where he played, you know, uh, Soda Pop. He's also and then Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec fame. And then you got Shelly, who is just an honorable mention for the list. The Tina legendary Faye. Tina Fey of uh, 30 Rock, Saturday Night Live, and some movie called Date Night. I just, I, I was like, Tina's... I think that was Steve Carell and her both, if yeah, I remember. Yeah, in Date Night. Yeah. yeah. So, hopping into the goods, or no, do we got... No, you can't leave You got off, trivia? No, I don't have trivia, but you can't leave off Philip Seymour Hoffman. He played the bartender. I, I completely forgot that. I was like, that's that dude that died from heroin. <laughs> yeah, <in here." laughs> you can't leave off him. He, he played Truman Capote and Capote. <laughs> I don't know that his character ever actually had a name, because they didn't have a name listed on the IMDb, but he played the bartender whenever they first yeah. introduced Louis C.K.'s character, and that was... 
Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. I, we can't leave him I was off. staring at him for like the first two scenes going, who the fuck is that? And then it, <laughs> it hit. That but is no, Philip. I, I don't have trivia. I didn't look to see if there was any. I should have. I didn't probably, either. And I just realized that. Normally, for new listeners of the Two Star, there's trivia section here. We tell you all fun and interesting shit that happened on the stage, but eh, <laughs> fuck it. Brett and I used to record these on, uh, we're, we're currently recording this on Wednesday, which is what yeah. we've always done. We used to have Wednesdays off together, so these yeah. were a bit more structured. We used to go past. to a fan, you know, big fancy diner. It's a whole legend. <laughs> <laughs> so you ready to hop into the goods, my love? Yeah. Kick us off. So, um, I think the biggest winner of this film is, uh, like, honestly, the premise and the dialogue. Like, it's just so clever from mostly start to finish. Like, very witty dialogue back and forth the whole time. Very English movie. (laughs) Yeah, there's never really a moment where it kind of lulls. So, Mm -hmm. um, hands down, yeah, just, like, the whole movie. Like, very well written for the most part for me. You get, like, the waiter. Who just like blatantly starts hitting on the date, you know? <laughs> just turn, are you into this guy? No. Are you, can I give you my phone number? No. <laughs> they, I mean, they start from the very beginning with these characters who just yeah. like word vomit all of their thoughts, and it never stops the whole movie. <laughs> it was brilliant, and the the pacing of it, yeah, I thought it was very English. It's very dry. It's it was you know a. I'm not a rom-com fan. If you, you know, listen to the show, you probably understand that by now. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I liked this one a lot. There were a lot of um, moments. I, I don't like know. Punchy but, lines. Yeah. Even whenever his character kind of starts to, because he's labeled a bit of a loser in the beginning of his character. Kinda <laughs> a bit starts of a to... loser. Everybody that he walks into <laughs> seems to hate Ricky Gervais. <laughs> but when his character starts to have that like turnaround and he's no longer a loser, people still treat him kind of the same way. <laughs> yeah, start calling him like a, you know, he looks like a pig. He's too fat. <laughs> pug, pug nose <laughs> pug or whatever. Nose. <clears throat> uh, my first good is in that same kind of vein. They do a really good job of establishing that Mark is the outsider here. In particular, uh, him and his mother are the only two English accents in the entire movie, which creates this sense of the other, yeah. which is, you know, subtle. Um, it, it's, a, it's a level deeper than everybody seems to hate him already. Like, yeah. that, that automatically makes him different from everybody else. And he is the only character, even before he starts lying that ever has a point where he's kind of like, well, that's not really a nice thing to say, or like, I disagree with you, or whatever. Like, everybody else just kind of, like I said, just says what's on their mind, and he's like, well, it's not really a thing you should be saying, you know? you could have just not, I felt better before you said that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, they do make him very much a standout character in the movie. Yeah. Um, Star-studded cast all around. Which is a a major winner. Um, Even... The little side characters, like uh, like I said, the bartender is Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he's barely in the mm-hmm. movie at all. But they had so many incredible actors that even the side characters that you only see briefly are all like on par. Yeah, like there's not any bad acting in this whole movie. No, it's all it, it, the chemistry's even there. But I think that might have a lot to do with like how the characters were written. Uh, there is this odd like push and pull dynamic between mm-hmm. the two of them. But yeah, down to the casting, this is a pro job, you know, all around. Yeah. And uh, Jonah Hill, especially, which he's had. I loved that. He's had <laughs> He's other, on my good list. <laughs> he's had other roles where he's kind of stood out in that yeah. way. So that's not really too much of a surprise, but like for being a comedic actor, someone who can really like pull at your heartstrings. Mm-hmm. So Yeah huge huge win on the cast and yeah i definitely agree i can't believe they only spent 18 million and how many big names were in this yeah it's i'll just kind of ride that one into my next good then is frank is one of my favorite characters i've seen in a while it's jonah hill's character he plays um mark's suicidal neighbor who he meets every day in the elevator and just keeps going yeah i tried to swallow pills too fast last night and Wound up throwing him up, so I guess I'll hang myself. (laughs) (laughs) He's just so nonchalant about it. But, like, his life is saved by a lie, technically. A little white lie. Yeah, I'd love to hang out with you and drink a beer. But, like, it's a beautiful moment between uh, Jonah's character and Ricky Gervais where 
you get to see them like drinking beers and actually like enjoying one another's company. Yeah. And then, and then, he then they becomes, stay friends. Yeah, he becomes like a part of their little derelict crew with Louis. And, and the thing that I like about it too is, um, like he, like you said, he has that moment yeah. where he's like, "Yeah, you shouldn't kill yourself. You know, your good things are going to happen to you. You're a nice guy." Yeah. And John Hill like asks him to hang out. He's kind of like, "Ah, no." <laughs> and then you see them bonding, which is a plus for Jonah Hill because yeah. Jonah Hill, you know, didn't have any friend, or I guess I should be referring to his character Frank didn't have any friends mm-hmm. leading up to that point. But like on the flip side, Mark was also a lonely character, yeah. and like he just Mark's, wasn't trying to kill himself. <laughs> yeah, and like Mark's little white lie kind of started getting him friends too. And as the movie goes on, he's got like a circle of friends that like come and hang out mm-hmm. with him and they do stuff together. So his little tiny lie to make somebody else feel better. Like, made his own life better as yeah. well. You get a full bore character arc. Lie to people. It's your best way into <laughs> friendship and relationships. I do not agree <laughs> Why do you keep, why are you being a contrarian on this episode? Don't agree with me. Louis C.K. had the right to ask to jerk off in front of people. And now you're telling me you can't lie for, you know, fame and fortune. <laughs> I thought that's all that Hollywood was doing. I thought it was, I thought Los Angeles was a city of fake smiles. <laughs> You're absurd. Um, kind of in the same vein, though, um, which it's lended by the fact that all of the side characters even are famous people. Uh, interesting characters all around, even when it's not famous people. Like you see the couple arguing with each other on the bench outside of the cafe, and then the homeless dude, and uh, I'm blanking on the rest of them. But like even the little side nobody characters Mm -hmm. all have an interesting story to them they're not just literally extras passing in the background i think maybe my favorite was when they were um when he came out with the pizza boxes and he did the whole thing and everybody had questions about how many bad things that they were allowed Mm -hmm. to do and they started just admitting like the bad shit that they'd done yeah like every it's like no that's that's fine god doesn't care about that and then like at the end it's like i like you know burglar i can't remember what the crime was that the guy admitted to and he's like yeah you probably shouldn't do that again (laughs) (laughs) but yeah every inconsequential character in this movie still has like their own life and their own story and that was really cool to see um you could tell a lot of thought was put into all of the characters in this film regardless of whether or not they were you know famous or just an extra so that was pretty cool to see that uh this world was so fully developed like even at the very beginning of the film when they're doing the intro it's almost like interview style these people are sitting down talking to the camera and uh divulging really personal details (laughs) i just pooped what do you want to eat now (laughs) that like fucking opening Mm-hmm. I forgot all about the opening. People were mad at that. It's like, and these are the credits that nobody wants to read. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking brilliant film. This is not all my goods. I'll use it as a good. He's a screenwriter. So A-OK on that. Oh, He's got yeah, my fucking book awards. See, yeah. and I completely forgot that because Brett had never seen this movie, but I saw it. Was so on his Several years ago. I was like, you can just make up whole worlds in your head. It's what we do. <laughs> I'm living not clink twice in the fucking show. <laughs> yeah, I saw this movie several years ago, and I completely forgot that he was a screenwriter, and that he gets fired for <laughs> not even being a bad writer. He just has an, an interesting he just, decade. He has to cover the Black Plague. And nobody and wants to watch nobody that. Nobody wants to just hear the truth about the Black Plague. <laughs> This happened and everybody died at the end. <laughs> so yeah, you did the, what you got next? Uh, we've already done three of mine. I think I'm doing more than you are. Oh, I added an extra yeah. one in there for okay. myself. Um, Calling them out for being a screenwriter. I counted that as a good. I can, I can do another one of mine or we <laughs> no, can do yours. Uh, this is kind of stealing from something you mentioned while we were watching it. So my bad. Um, How dare you steal my intellectual property? Well, uh, this is our company, <laughs> not your company. So, um, LLCs. I like the fact that the first lie that Mark tells isn't a selfish lie. So, also on my list, so I forgive you for stealing my intellectual property. <laughs> like the very first lie that he tells in the movie, um, he's about to be evicted from his apartment because he's been fired yeah. from his job and he can't afford to pay the rent. It's $800. So, it yeah. Needs. 
he goes into the bank and the bank system is down and she asks him how much money he wants to withdraw and he's like well i don't know whatever i've got and she's like no you have to tell me how much Mm because the system's down i can't look it up so he tells her exactly what he needs for rent and not a penny more just so he can keep his place and uh and then the system comes yeah. back on, and she's like, "You've only got like six hundred and seventy dollars." No, it was like three hundred. It was way a, less. Well, it must be a mistake. You know? I'm so sorry about that. Here's your money. And he's so blown away by the fact that nobody like even questioned his lie, and yeah. it kind of snowballs the whole movie. But uh, I, I do appreciate the fact that for how ridiculous the movie gets later on, it started with what was honestly just an innocent lie that he needed to survive. Yeah. Well, she asks him, so is it that that was a big point of contention that I had while it was happening, was she asks him, how much money do you need, not how much money do you have? And he says, I need $800 because he needs $800. So is the initial lie even a lie? You know, I didn't catch that she worded it that way. I did. I yelled at it. I paused it. And I was yelling about it. We were drinking. It, okay. We tried to watch this movie two nights in a row, and we literally could not get Netflix to work because snow. <laughs> but, and even the second time, it kept kind of freezing up a bit. <laughs> it's fun. Fun living in the mountains when the weather is You're looking uh, at me like you're regretting everything that we've ever done. I do. I regret this exact <laughs> podcast right now. But, Signing off now. Thanks, but, guys. But it was a beautiful insight into his character because he's not a climber or a deceiver. Like, it's not who he's really trying to be. He's. It's not how he starts. No, immediately he kind of flips out and he just starts taking all of his broke friends to go get money at the bank. No, he's got three grand, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but that initial white lie is just perfect. Yeah. He didn't go, I, I have a million dollars. I would like to, to get my million dollars. You know. I'm going to go to the bank and see if that works. Fuck it. <laughs> it's not technically bank robbery. <laughs> I don't think they'll believe me, though. I mean, why? Racism? Because uh, lies <laughs> exist in our world. <laughs> um, so my next good, and you clicked one of mine right off the list, so we should be caught up now. Is uh, the pizza box commandments. <laughs> the invention of the man in the sky. I loved that they tackled such like a big concept where it's like, no, it was just some schmuck who learned how to lie to make everybody feel better. Um, with Gervais being like an outspoken atheist, right? Yeah, or a, yeah he uh, is an atheist. What's the other word? Is he an atheist or the... Agnostic. Yeah. I am agnostic. Gervais is atheist. <laughs> <laughs> I am some weird mix of Catholic, Hinduism, and Buddhism, and it <laughs> confuses me on occasion. It is a big topic. I want to kind of readdress it later at the end of the podcast. I've gotcha. I have more to say on that. Um, but I do agree it is an interesting um, topic to tackle. Like using the pizza boxes was such a smart fucking move. It's like they're not heavy, but like he holds the weight of the world in these two pizza boxes. I like that they actually shaped them like tablets. They didn't just leave them as boxes. (laughs) He's like, only if I had something more substantial to hold. (laughs) Tapes them to his hands. (laughs) I am down to my last one. How many do you have? Uh, I've got one more as well. So this is hands down for me the best part of the whole movie, I think. Mm. Um, How a movie that's kind of funny and pokes fun at itself and it's meant to be a bit more of a rom-com can have such deeply serious moments. Um, The death scene of his mom. Oh my God. It's the most beautiful scene in the whole movie. Could have yanked that right out of an absolute drama. Yeah, and like, well, I like that... Even in that moment, they were poking fun a little bit because Gervais is telling his mother... Gervais. <laughs> well, that's Ricky Gervais. Gervais. Whatever. Uh, Mark is uh, telling his mother this made-up story about heaven because yeah. she's afraid and he doesn't want her to be afraid on her deathbed. And it's this really deeply moving moment of this old lady like genuinely afraid mm-hmm. of death and him sobbing and then you kind of still get the doctor and the nurses yeah. in the background like tell us more <laughs> you know? like, I, I like that it's such a heavy serious moment that's so beautifully written and you still have like these 
ridiculous other characters so in awe yeah. of the moment. They let that moment build in particular. So, you, you know, they say funny things back and forth between the two of them, but the overall tone makes you want to cry. Yeah. And then they pop the tension at the perfect point and they throw you right back into this ludicrous situation he's in. Or even when he goes to his mother's grave, like the headstone is still ridiculous, but it's still this really sad moment yeah. of his life is falling apart and he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't feel any better. And then... With uh, Frank's character, like the suicidal tendencies and stuff like that, or the homeless character, mm-hmm. like they have all these really serious, deep topics that are like kind of coded in the satire. Yeah. So, like, very, in my opinion, anyway, well done um, tackling these heavy topics mm-hmm. in what's meant to be a rom com. <laughs> well, the, it, it is, you know, a satire. And. That's the initial point of the satire is to tackle these massive issues. I'm going to completely blank his goddamn name. The guy who wrote A Modest Proposal. Oh, shoot. Yeah, exactly. That dude. Basically, A Modest Proposal is. Yeah, there's a population issue and there's not enough food, so we should start eating our young. It's. (laughs) It's from like the 1700s or some shit, but it's fucking hilarious. Um. This does a really good job of that, where it's like, here's all these societal issues that we have that, like, we pin religion to, and it does nothing to fix the problem. Like, it, I don't know if it was executed, you know, where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, probably scooped too much in one handful, but <clears throat> uh, they, it was a solid attempt, and it was a, a nice little reminder, I think. I agree. What's your last cut? Are we in couples therapy right now? I yes. agree. I How too does that feel make you his feel? Issues. I, I don't like How sober Kristen. <laughs> That's not nice. I'm joking. You're mean. I'm fucking with you. Bye. Antioxidant. <laughs> Girl, you want to annoy your boyfriend. Here I am, being a vegan. Um, <laughs> it's pomegranate. One of my favorite scenes in the film, to back your scene in the film, um, was that Mark abandoned his power to reverse what was going to happen at the wedding, and he completely gives Anna the free will um, to do what she will with that moment. He's like, she's like, well, ask the man of the sky what he wants us to do. And he's like, no. And then he like walks out of the church. Well, he does it twice, too, which that's more significant for me, for sure. But um, they're sitting on the park bench together... Yeah. And he has that moment where she's like, oh, I love you, but you have bad genetics and I don't want my kids to have bad genetics. And she's like, wait, does being rich and successful change your genetic code? And he has this moment where you're kind of like, oh, like he's going to tell a lie and he goes, no. Unfortunately, I'm still going to look like a pig tomorrow. So, I mean, like when it comes to truly abusing his power, he never really jumps on that, but he he does push it a bit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. The, like he the wedding scene is more monumental, for sure. Like, he purposely does not use it with her after he realizes what it's doing. Well, he tells know. her you have to save sex for marriage, so he does use it there. <laughs> but that's something God would do. It's <laughs> Just with, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Highly complex it's a thing. sex coupon. <laughs> can't, can't cash it in. <laughs> that's why Rob Lowe's marrying her after such a short courting period. Well, they show several seasons go by, so like it implies that like a good year is gone It's in by. my bads. Are we ready to hop into the bads? I believe so. You gonna take us away? I, I believe so. Um, this film, as a first bad, stayed in the pocket of the same joke for far too fucking long before the man in the sky part. And then feels like it rushed through the wedding, the courtship, that whole love reward that is supposed to come at the end of the romantic comedy just kind of felt like it shot by. And we're like, okay, cool. Like, he can lie to people. He's still lying to people. (laughs) All right, got his buddy out of a DUI. Let's let's do it. And then it was Man in the Sky. Oh, shoot. We totally forgot. The Uh, DUI. Yeah, the cop. 
Who was that played by? Oh my god, that's another famous dude. I, I can't even get his picture in my oh, head right shoot. now. Oh shoot, Edward Norton. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's Edward like, is that Norton Edward fucking Norton? He, he was literally the prop <laughs> that was in it for like five minutes max. Edward Norton was also in this movie. He did a good job on the makeup, but I caught his voice and I was like, that's Edward fucking I said Norton. it. Don't well, steal my thunder. I, well, I probably went, hey, it's da 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 I didn't have the name. The good name. But, um, I totally forgot he was in this. Oh god, I, I, you might know Edward Norton from American History X or Fight Club or any number of other brilliant films. Seven, which is referenced, you know, have highly in this. Is he in Seven? He's not in Seven. That's no. Brad Pitt. Yeah, that's I, Brad Pitt. I, I had Fight Club in my He's head, in Fight and Club. then I, yeah, alongside Brad Pitt. <laughs> Post work episode. It's a whole going to shit. <laughs> All right, what you got on the bads? Um, I will get into them both individually as two separate bads, but in general, I don't personally feel like, which goes along with your things were being rushed, that there's any chemistry or build between Mark and Anna's characters. Mm-hmm. Like, I never really find it terribly believable outside of the fact that they are very accomplished actors who pull off the roles very well, mm-hmm. that the two of them have any reason to be together they don't she's kind of a cunt to him until like the scene where the baby is sitting there and then he teaches his kid how to lie <laughs> and and that is yeah like my my next bad actually i don't feel i don't feel like anna ever really earns any kind of redemptive moment like at the very yeah. tail end of the movie they try to make her this character that's been changed by him and she sees the world in a different way and like she's a good actress so she pulls that off to be fair and that moment where she's cleaning the kid's Mm -hmm. ice cream off of his face is a really cute moment but throughout the whole movie she's still referring to his character as basically short fat don't be (laughs) ugly you know whatever and she can't get beyond her shallow view of the world and even whenever their relationship is supposedly like solidifying. We don't see any friendship moments between the two of them. We see Yeah, she doesn't give him any like constructive criticism even. <laughs> well we don't see She just shits on him the entire time. Even with that, like we don't see any like actual friendship between the two of them. We see them hanging out together, but it's just in the context of Mark's fame skyrocketing, so it mm-hmm. just makes her seem like she's someone who's like out for the attention and the money and the fame. She's going to these you know, movie premieres and shit with them all dressed up fancy with the fancy sunglasses on, like getting out of the car yeah. with the crowd. I mean, and she's like... dating Rob Lowe. What would you do <laughs> if you were dating Rob Lowe? I'd get out in a sparkly dress if I was dating Rob well, that, Lowe. At that point, she's not <laughs> seeing him yet. She's just kind of interested in him. And like. Jack's just attacked the cat over the food. Okay. <laughs> Like, they never show the two of them actually being friends, even though they both keep calling each other the other person's best friend. (laughs) So it's like, she just seems kind of like fame and money hungry and kind of like not a great person till the tell end. And they're like, wait, 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 she's nice to this one kid. Yeah. So I don't feel like she earns that redemption at the end. He's the only one that has the full redemption story. Ah, He's also in my bads. If you hit it, go. I don't think that Mark's character is actually any more redemptive than her. Um, no. He has a lot more deep, emotional, meaningful moments than her. But again, at no point do they show her and Anna developing any kind of actual mm-hmm. friendship. He says at the beginning of the movie that he's gone on this date with Anna and it's gone poorly and he doesn't think he's ever going to have any luck with her. But we established when they first meet, they have never met in person before. So this is a girl he's been idolizing from a distance based on her yeah, looks. Yeah, Louis' character is the one who introduced him. Is it? Yeah, that it, that was the deal. Was She was only going on the date because it was a deal. Uh, uh, yeah, I a, knew it was a... F- favor for a, a friend fit, yeah. i didn't know it was louis character that i didn't catch it in the film i caught it when i was going back to read the synopsis to cover it huh. but she was doing it as a favor for greg louis character i didn't catch that mm-hmm. part but i knew it was a favor for a friend but they established because she immediately upon seeing him says she's disappointed by yeah. his look so they've never talked never met never anything he's been literally just like i said yeah. idolizing her from just a distance like i was just upstairs masturbating and i'm a little frustrated right now <laughs> But they, like they established, he's basically been idolizing her from a distance based on her looks. And because the film doesn't establish any kind of friendship between the two of them, it basically ends with he wants to be with her because of her looks. Yeah, even after the ability to lie. Yeah, like he, he, 
he never has a moment where the two of them bond as people and he refuses to talk to her or have anything to do with her the whole time she's dating Rob Lowe's character. Like, they're mm-hmm. not around each other. And, like, it's like you're not actually friends with each other. You just really have a crush on her. Yeah. So his character come, like comes across just as shallow. It's just cardboard. Yeah. It's for want of sex and then there's no sex in the film. Because... There's and, not even a kiss, is there? Like a... She kisses him on the cheek. I don't know. But even, like, whenever he... Grabbing a refill. I'm still listening. <laughs> even whenever he, like, first realizes he can lie and, um... Shoot. Philip Seymour Hoffman and Louis C.K.'s characters. Greg and the bartender. I guess his character doesn't have a name. Like, he asked them if they could get anything they wanted, what they would have and it was touching a chick's boobs and having sex with a chick so he goes out into the street and tries to pick the girl that he's going to try to do it with and the only girl he picks is the supermodel he looks at several people and goes like judges them for the same thing so maybe that was intentional he gets shit on his entire life for being an ugly fucker and now he's just looking to trick a pretty girl but he like I mean basically my arc (laughs) I just keep lying to Kristen. She still keeps showing up for the podcast, being all beautiful and effervescent. <laughs> but, like, he does have that moment at the park where he's like, it's not a nerdy couple, it's a couple in love or whatever, but he himself doesn't want a partner who isn't beautiful. Yeah. So I don't think his character is any less shallow. I feel like he gains empathy, but I I would have to agree with you. Yeah, I don't think he went anywhere now that you've worded it that way i thought he did in my head i was like oh he found love and i was like he found a love that is just gonna be a toxic divorce (laughs) that kid's gonna be traumatized yeah and like he he kind of treats her it's that no honey i didn't fuck my secretary (laughs) she just believes him i don't think it's that extreme but it's that (laughs) that cliche at the end like oh she's a bad wife or a bad cook or whatever let's lie to her to make her feel better like she's still kind of the idiot character at the end and he's still just kind of in love with her because she's pretty. So uh, I don't. I don't think. I think there. If there had been some kind of more meaningful establishment as the two of them being like good close friends, yeah. I would have bought it. Which they could have built, and all that time they wasted telling the same joke over and over yeah. and over again. <laughs> yeah. But I'm happy we got Ed Norton. <laughs> we blew through like three of mine okay well i've still got four so i'm gonna hit two back to back we could talk about them <laughs> at nauseum um my first one is a short one it falls into the problem that comes with every single rom-com i call it the rom-com trope trap makes it way too fucking predictable You're like oh let me guess he's gonna try to get the girl she's not gonna like him He's going to figure it out. He's going to fight like hell in the last 15 minutes, and he's going to get the girl. And they're going to live happily ever after. And they're going to live happily ever after with their son, who is now the youngest person who knows how to lie, and that's how you get Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it is, a in that format, definitely a predictable movie. I. That's the, tro- that's the rom-com uh, trope trap. Trope trap. That's a fun way to say it. I, I, I sat there with my pen to write those exact words. And trope I, trap. I was like, yeah, you call it the rom-com trap. Or why is it a trap? A trope. Just bringing the audience into the, the creative processes of the next, you know, incredible writer of our generation. I think it's more cleverly done. To be fair, well, but it is stereotypical. At the, its skeleton is the rom-com trope trap. It is a rom-com. If she would have picked the other dude, that would have been the funniest moment of the film. She was like, he's got better genetics. Our neighbor's jamming out again. We've got a new neighbor who does (laughs) nothing but play rock guitar and scream fuck at his own ceiling, and I don't know what to do about either one of those situations. I think he must have got a new guitar, a new amp or something over Christmas, because that is a new development that's been nonstop (laughs) lately. It's pretty good. He shreds. So sorry for that noise in the background with the slurps yeah. and the catches. If you guys send us money, um, we'll soundproof the. We'll, we can soundproof our little room. one bedroom living room, <laughs> yeah. and um, maybe you know get a better apartment like the one we used to have that we don't didn't appreciate at the no. time. Um, no, my motorcycle driving by now though. 
it still happened on one of the episodes. <laughs> but uh, my my next bad because you blew through a few. I have of yours. two big ones left, and that's all that I have left. But they're big I, ones. I've got. Uh, well, then let me do one lesser because I think I also have a big one somewhere in here. Um, it feels like a less cleverly executed liar liar spinoff. I have two other movies I'd like to compare it to, but I, I, I wait. also have two other movies that I would like to compare <laughs> it to. Are they is one a Jim Carrey film and one a Steve Carell film? Uh, yes. Okay, <laughs> so my next bad. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> wait, I want to get into the, it, the final. It, yeah, liar. It feels like liar, liar on an inverse. Okay. Where it's like now Jim Carrey has to tell the truth and he can't tell anything but the truth. And it's once I saw that in my head, I was like, oh no, fuck this movie, like. The, what makes liar 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 is that he can't lie to his son and he learns how to tell the harsh truths to his kid you know? or or also be a better person because he yeah. stops lying and makes genuine commitments instead yeah. of just saying, and the relationship between him and his wife develops far beyond like where it's it started at the beginning yeah <laughs> We're going to save liar. the other two comparisons, though. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so hit me with one of your remainders, and um, then we'll hit the one that apparently we both wrote down because we're meant to be... Going to have a deep discussion. We are um, going to have a deep discussion, but how cool is it that we wrote down the same three films? I didn't write down Liar, Liar. I actually didn't make that connection, oh, so that okay. one was different. Um, I have two other ones, though, that I'm assuming we are both thinking of the same. <laughs> but um, I mean, that would be a very specific <laughs> set of actors if it wasn't. <laughs> um, I think the one biggest bad for me is the ending itself is a bit of a plot hole. Like we jump from she agrees to yes. marry him <laughs> to they're just married and they have children. And we never really establish what happens at the end. Um, does, did he tell the whole world that he made up religion? Is religion now just a thing that everybody believes? And Can him they and no his, longer hear from the man in the sky? Yeah. Him and his wife are the only one that know his secret or like, does he still work for that same film company? Is like the whole world mad at him because they've discovered he's actually a fraud. So like what happened at the end of the movie? Because he admitted to Anna that he made up the man in the sky and she wasn't like, well shit, we got to tell everybody. She was just like, how? Yeah. And then we go to them being married. Well, it kind of came from the man in the sky in a weird way. Yeah. The lie. (laughs) But they never explain did he tell everybody else the truth? Did they not? Can I like, add one more caveat to that? Which, yeah. actually, it's my argument for getting into the other two. So never mind. Oh, I mean, that was basically the end of that. The the ending of the movie is just kind of a massive plot hole. Like, they were like, shit, we gotta wrap this up. Let's just throw this scene in here. And it's a cute little family yeah. scene, and it's a cute little moment. But it completely leaves what happened just left hanging. Well, you'll be very comforted after I digress to my other bad um, to know that I have a fix for this. Okay. Because on occasion with the two stars, normally it's not Ricky Gervais that I am up against offering plot hole fix advice that made your movie a lot more sense. But I, we'll get to that in a minute. I, I feel that we can tackle the issue of the massive plot hole at the end with one simple scene and... Hire me, Ricky Gervais. I could use some part of the $18.5 million. If you've got $500, I'll fucking I'll help you out. I'll fill in your next plot hole. It'll be great. It'll be fun. We can have you know lots of beers out here in Montana. So write me an email at... Nightmareboxproductions.gmail. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's do this shit. But uh, before we get to that, my bad number two that I had initially written down was... Um, it had a this film has a complete lack of pleasant truths. Everyone that lives in this utopia of nothing but innocence is pissed off. Pessimistic. <laughs> Super pessimistic. They're not like, I like your shirt. 
Yeah, that, that, yeah, that is true. There's no positive yeah. truths yeah. being They're told. They're all negative truths. You're a shithead. You don't do your job correctly. Everybody hates you and you're getting fired. They don't even say positive things to each other and never say a positive thing to him. Nobody in the film says a positive thing except the guy who lies. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Even the Coke commercial, it's like, well, there's nothing new to say. Yeah. Just keep buying it. It's sugar water. It'll <laughs> and that make was you a comedian fast. too, and I didn't write his name down, yeah, but the guy who did the Coke commercial. Name. Yeah. All right, so drum roll, please. The final of the bats. My final bat? Are we doing mine? Okay. Well, can I can I use my plot hole yeah. fix to <laughs> I was like, because I don't know where you're going. To address the same two films that we're both thinking of Go right for now. it. Okay. So, hear me out. I'm listening. Everybody else lives on an island of innocence. One person tells you the comfortable lie over the uncomfortable truth. As we've established, these people are very pessimistic people. He tells you an uncomfortable truth. It gives the world hope. He is a liar. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you've ever read the Bible. but there was a character in the garden of eden who told you an uncomfortable truth that opened your mind up to knowledge and here we are in the predicament we are as people under the christian doctrine and i feel that they should have turned ricky gervais's character into an unwitting lucifer who has accidentally unleashed the power of the lie the comfortable lie upon the world. He's just a fallen angel. And, um... It wouldn't be a rom-com then, though. (laughs) Well, it could be. Because it would then be akin to Bruce Almighty and Evan Almighty. Those are the two movies I've written down. Those are, in fact, the two movies I've written down. What is your card? So, um... This isn't necessarily a bad bad. This is more of a positing a question. Um, does the movie... Is this how you wrote down the same observation? Um, I'm going to bring up... Yeah, Bruce okay, cool. Almighty and yeah, Evan yeah, Almighty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, are we just going to ditch past no. my plot hole fixer? Because no. you're like, gonna... why doesn't his wife know? It's like, because he just gave birth to the Antichrist. No, he was I'm going to get here. into it. So, um... Because you mentioned the tablets and stuff being your favorite part. And I would like to pause it because I feel like watching it just from strictly a movie point of view, that is when the movie gets a little ridiculous. Yeah. So if you're just watching it as a viewer, um, my question is, does the movie kind of jump ship when we get into this ridiculous? It's not just him telling little white lies to make his life and the lives of people around him better. He's making it big and grandiose and telling these absurd lies that he didn't have to tell. Like he could have made up a different reason for how he told that story to his mom instead of making it this big elaborate production or, um, which it is in the vein of, for me, Bruce Almighty or Evan Almighty, these men who, um, are given this power and they don't understand the, don't know how to control it. Mm -hmm. Don't understand it. It gets too big. It gets out of control. Fucking white men. Yeah. So does the movie, (laughs) jump ship whenever we start introducing this idea of made-up religion or is that the point of the movie itself it is a satirical film um do you have a page of written word in front of you (laughs) it is a satirical film so um is that really the point that he can only create religion in this world when lying is possible. Religion did not exist before he started telling lies, and the only way for religion to exist is for us to be able to lie. Well, he tried to comfort them. I think that there's no way this is not a film about religion, where he becomes a Jesus character. I mean, literally, for Christ's sakes, they made him look like Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I think that was very Well, I think they were kind of emulating moses honestly because he comes with tablets um but the scene where he comes down the stairs and he's got the beard and the hair and he's wearing a bathrobe (laughs) but for me it's it's a movie that's i think if you look beyond just like that ridiculous over the topness of it it's a movie that is kind of asking us to question internally 
why we believe these things yeah. and are they just lies somebody's told us that we've bought into like, if you've got kids in the room plug the rears <laughs> three two one like santa claus <laughs> yeah like are, are these sky god stories just lies we've let somebody else tell us and we've bought into because they make us feel good yeah. is there a reason why we believe these things and the irony behind the fact that whenever he does come out with the tablets and he's trying to explain God to all of these people, he has to explain the contradiction of this is a benevolent, loving God who has created this evil world. Like, your mom has cancer, there are tsunamis, people are dying, but after you spend all this time suffering, you get to be happy. Mm -hmm. So the paradox of you have a benevolent, loving sky father who also wants you to suffer so he can test your worthiness to be happy. So. Yeah. It does kind of make you, I, I feel like that is the point of the movie. Like, question, yeah. are we just or buying into the to story? a bad, bad, bad place. Yeah. <laughs> so, for me, if you if you just watch it as an audience member, it's a, a moment where I'm like, ah, oh, the movie took a turn. It's a bit silly. Mm -hmm. Like, it's gotten a little over the top. But yeah. if you, like, actually take time to consider it, it's a movie that's asking you to consider why you believe the things you believe. Well, that's why I liked it. I think if we would have just kept in the same greed game that he was trapped in without ever questioning his morality or his motives for inventing a religion, I think I would have been very bored, you know. Um, it makes the attempt at that type of intellectual religious observation, um, but it tries to cover too much ground too quick because yeah. it wasted too much time on the greed <laughs> and it, it does I, I appreciate the question of was the and I've, got, I've had a theory for years that um the reason why the jews the muslims and the christians don't get along all that well is because one dude did something fucking awesome and then three guys wound up in a bar watching it from different sides and they were all like no he walked on water and it's like no his name was muhammad <laughs> and they've just you know all been telling the same story for a long time but yeah and i i don't i don't agree with the concept of making him lucifer i feel like that takes it a little too far but i i, I, I like it because if you <laughs> think about it no like it. <laughs> no because lucifer is not meant to be a dark character lucifer is a fallen angel he fell out of favor with god for trying to go into competition with god this is a man who was born into a literal garden of eden he figures out how to tell a lie he uses it to comfort people and it has harsh side effects it's the perfect he is the king of the bad bad place <laughs> well i prefer Instead of it corrupting everyone, because he does have that moment where he's sitting at his mother's grave and he's like, I don't know what to do. I've no. told this lie that's made everyone else, you know, look forward to... Being dead. Yeah, and like they're all kind of just like indifferent to their current lives, but he's like, I know that it's not true and I don't believe it and I'm not happy and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I like that, that concept of like having to reflect inward about what you genuinely believe versus like he's, you know, had this effect on everyone else. So it, it is a bit disappointing that the movie ends the way that it ends because you do want to, because it is a rom-com, you do want to root for him getting the girl, but it's like in the it last... doesn't answer any of the intellectual questions. Yeah, like in the last five minutes. One serious question. Yeah, like in the last five minutes, they throw away all of this intellectual like thoughts that they've built up throughout yeah. the movie just to be like, well, if you tell a lie, you get the girl. So I don't know. Like I, for me, if you don't think critically about it and you sit back and watch it, and I guess that's why it's in my bad list. You just watch it as an audience member and you don't try to think about it. It just comes across as a moment where just like, you know, the scary movie series or whatever yeah. because they are satire like they kind of just jump ship for the sake of poking fun or we're not we'll talk about song the next day. episode <laughs> that, one, that one's just bad that I, one's i don't even want to start not even don't, a satire don't even start <laughs> i mean it might as well be a satire of everything that is good and holy but so. yeah that's my, my final final bad final thought on the movie um I think if you take time to analyze it, it is actually kind of a deep, clever, 
interesting film that should make you reflect, but it tosses its own premise in the tail end, and that's unfortunate. What do you think God is? I'm agnostic, so... <laughs> Get zero theories. I, I would like to believe that there is some form of an afterlife, regardless of whether or not it's a reincarnation or actually going to heaven or this concept of a, what is it, Gaia or Gia or whatever, where we're all like one mm -hmm. and we kind of return to the life force that is us whenever we die. So I would, I would like to believe that we are intentional beings and that there is more to us than this. But um, I don't think that there's any evidence to support any theory one way or another factually. So Nobody's ever come back and told us what it was like. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think that there's enough evidence. Like if Abraham to Lincoln support woke up right now and was just like, Oh, Oh God. Okay. So here's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the problem. I am. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully like idealistically agnostic like do you I, want a heaven hell situation or do you want no, like a permanent I, I, purgatory like I like where the idea, everybody's on the same plane no i like the idea of reincarnation because i i like the the idea of the concept that you get to just keep trying until you ascend or you figure it out or yeah. you're a better person so i as much as that would suck think it is a justifiable um punishment i guess mm -hmm. if like you're a bad person you have to come back as a fish next go around <laughs> or whatever like sorry you've been downgraded what if you love it as a fish <laughs> well i mean maybe i loved you do. it as like a guy who hung out in a dive bar for a long time like i thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it i wasn't doing it for the attention <laughs> and maybe that's where you hit your spiritual ascension you're just a really good fish i'm but... <laughs> just a really good pool player <laughs> like I, I like that idea that um this is your opportunity to figure yourself out and mm -hmm. kind of ascend as an ultimate being. But I, I, again, I don't think that there's enough proof on anything to definitively say that any of it's real. Yeah. So that's why I'm agnostic. It's not like, oh, I don't, and that's why I don't say I'm atheist. It's not like I don't believe, like I am a, um, optimistic agnostic <laughs> like I you hope there's something yeah. there. You just don't want to claim what you may think that thing is. This is the smart way of going about it, for sure. How about you? <laughs> um, smoked a massive amount of weed on a mountain once, shortly after reading a Percy Chalet poem and uh, listening to a lot of Alan Watts. And I shattered my psyche in ways that were fantastic for me, uh, I feel, in the long run. But I think we all return to that all and eternal I. I feel like without the human ability to view, nothing would happen. There's no purpose for the mountain to be there if not for something with a conscious thought to view the mountain. Um, and thus I view that we are all that, experiencing it all simultaneously. And the only reason that you or I are here is to view one another. And the only reason we talk into the microphone is to talk to all these people that we are. And I'm sad to find out that Ram Dass died. <laughs> it somehow didn't even hit my news feed. So. Two, 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 sa, 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 two, 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 Our deepest one yet. God damn right. Well, it was a, it was meant to talk about thought. I could not ask you the religion question. Could not not ask you the religion. Question. <laughs> it was like you did though. <laughs> I knew what I was trying to say. My beers are starting to kick me. <laughs> but you can uh, write us your responses. Tell us what you think God is over at. Uh, Nightmare Box Productions at Gmail. Or you can go on over there to the Big Man in the Sky, also known as Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> at Nightmare Box Pro. Or you can take pictures. Um, of what it is you see before you and uh, what it means to you and send those pictures over to us on Instagram at, at Nightmare Box Productions. And as always, you can go on over to youtube.com slash Kristen Pennington or slash Nightmare Box Productions. And you can find yourself a copy of The Dolls.
And if you go on to the Kristen Pennington one, it's better because there's more stuff over there and it's all <laughs> fucking fantastic. Yeah, the Nightmare Box YouTube is still new. It's just got sound bites from the but podcast we need, yeah, and But we need dolls. subscribers over there uh, big time. So yeah. let's hop on that shit, team. Um, or if you you know don't want to view it on YouTube, you can go to our website, which is... TheNightmareBox.blog. And hopefully by now I've reinstalled the link. But... Uh, at the top right-hand corner, you can also watch the dolls or connect you to the YouTube thing. Or you can go down to the bottom right-hand corner, find the Madman Diaries. You send me $10. I'll send you the book, even if it costs me $15 to get it there. Did I miss any? Facebook. We always skip Facebook. Why do we always skip Facebook? I don't know. Fucking Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. I've been throwing up little snippets of behind the scenes stuff for the short film that I have still not finished. Still working. Uh, but you guys might get a double feature at the end of January. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Because <laughs> I'm still writing the script. <laughs> this was a fucking god awful idea, but I'm sticking to it. I think it's Hemingway who said like no it's not Hemingway, Bukowski. Where he's like, you gotta Go stick to your way. you gotta stick to your drunken promises. <laughs> and that might be Hemingway now that I think about it. It's like any promise you make drunk, you have to hold up sober. It'll teach you to quit making drunken promises. <laughs> but I didn't make the promise you did. I'm an alcoholic. Okay. Um, <laughs> do we got anything else, my love? Nope. I think that's it. Thank you guys for listening in, and I love you, sweetheart. I love you. <laughs> Little berry juice. <laughs> stuff of parties. My plastic bottle. <laughs> and I love you guys, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Eventually, when I figure out how to turn off the recording.